0: Welcome back to the two men wall podcast and we are off match week one is in the books after a long and very mountainous and crazy offseason we are back I am Braden. I am here with my glamorous as always co-host Ethan how's it going and this we I mean this is a very interesting time of year because not only do we have one of the craziest off-seasons ever with a lot of stars going a lot of different ways, and on top of that, Saudi Arabia whooping up uh, quite the uh, collection of European stars, uh, it carries over into the first three games. So not only do you have that crazy off-season, which certainly has continued, you have football. You have actual yep. games and play- and teams frantically trying to cover in spots that they are overreacting to uh, over the first 3 games of the season. So these 3 weeks are potentially the most hectic. Maybe the last couple of weeks are pretty hectic, but this one runs a pretty close second, I would say.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, at this point in the year, you know, there are some transfers that are bigger than the results themselves uh when you get into it. And some of the transfers we're going to talk about in a second certainly are going to impact results greatly for the rest of the season <laughs> um but to start off
0: let's get into some of those uh recent transfers starting off with one that seems like it would never happen but eventually did harry kane captain of england i guess for the time he was there i guess last couple of weeks since Loris, i guess retired is gone the lair he left he's not retired though yeah, he left. Uh, so he was captain for a little bit. So England captain, and I guess for the off season, Tottenham captain Harry Kane shipped off to Bayern. Um, just one of the funniest moments of the last couple of months is their team getting whooped, and he just mm. not winning a trophy. <laughs> I mean, he'll probably get it come May, but you know, we got our laughs in.
1: Not just losing, but like you said, just getting his ass completely whooped. <laughs> like they he weren't in the game one, at 25 all. Twenty-five minutes, but still. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, almost scored the first goal in like a third minute and they never looked yeah. back. Um, yeah, <laughs> just just hilarious. I mean, it's what Twitter is made for. So Yeah, seriously.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Why it exists. X, I yep. guess. No. <laughs> yeah. Um But then we had a saga that rivals it in hilarity. Oh, damn near. The Liverpool Chelsea cage match that's going on on the uh transfer battlefield (laughs) from Caicedo to Lavia just Liverpool were willing to break the British transfer record to get Caicedo in and Caicedo was like I'm sorry guys I just (laughs) don't want to play for you like that is so funny how like no one in England history has
1: ever wanted a player more financially and
0: Caicedo was like I'm okay actually
1: Especially after all the comments Klopp made about how like Liverpool was never going to pay more than 100 mil for a player. And then they did just to not get that player. It's just <laughs> poetry. It really is just poetry. Um, and then wow. they couldn't even get their second option. They got the second option, Lavia. like yeah. Bootleg two from Chelsea. <laughs> I mean, that's just... Oh my god, it's so good. It's just so good. You thought the transfer saga <laughs> was over at Caicedo and that, okay, Kaiseido's going Chelsea, is going Liverpool. No, no, Chelsea are not done. They're doing it just for kicks. <laughs> <laughs> they don't, they're not going to
0: play him. They just don't want him to yeah. play to Liverpool.
1: <laughs> no, no. I mean, they're playing, pr- they're probably playing a 3-4-3 the whole season. I mean, it's going to be Caicedo, yeah. Enzo. Enzo. I mean, Enzo's not losing his spot. It's going to be a Caicedo, Enzo yeah. Fernandez, you know, center mid pairing. is not even starting. <laughs> Exactly. Like,
2: it's it's hilarious.
0: And then if you thought, well, that'll be it for Chelsea, you're wrong. Because just less than 24 hours ago, they activated a lease (coughs) of Crystal Palace uh, release clause. And now he has agreed personal terms. And I believe that is going to be here we go in the coming days. Which sucks for my fantasy team because he is now not going to get as much playing time as I was originally hoping.
1: Oh, um, yeah. And I reached Your fantasy team is I'm getting big... screwed over. Is that the yeah. same one with the Kane? I...
0: No, it's not, thankfully. Okay. <laughs> um, I did get fucked over by uh, Daniel Levy saying that he's not selling Kane and then 24 hours later selling Kane. I mean, both um, of our
1: preseason predictions, we made our predictions on the basis that Kane would stay. Yeah. And that was the day of my draft, I'm pretty sure. So, I was not lied to. Well, I was not
0: going off of information that I missed. It was just the available information. Anyway, I don't know why I'm defending my fantasy (laughs) team. Chelsea are going absolutely fucking berserk. And, I don't know. I said it was a thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle. It just became 1500. So, (laughs) hopefully, Pochettino's good with you know, critical thinking because it's going to be a very tough puzzle to solve over there Chelsea. However, you know, talent is talent and it can't not work, right?
1: I mean it definitely can not work, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll 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 see. And by the way, Liverpool, it looks like are going after after bidding 110 mil for um say though and bidding like sixty million for Lavia. I think after all this, they're going to get um, Endo, the Japanese midfielder, from, yeah. I believe, either Stuttgart or Frankfurt for about, like, 18 mil. <laughs> but
0: they just, they just needed a win. They're not even planning on playing them. They just, they just needed a, a win.
1: The Liverpool, <laughs> the midfielder that Liverpool is signing costs less than the sell-on clause that um, the Ecuadorian <laughs> team, who sold Kaiseu the Brighton, are getting.
0: <laughs> just That's for context so here. That's fucking
1: funny. <laughs> Less than Uh, the fucking sell on clause (laughs) That's
0: probably more than their entire club is worth.
1: Oh my god, yeah. I I've I've seen like I'm pretty sure they're I I forget the name of the club. It's not Independiente, or maybe it is, but um I'm pretty sure they're building like a whole new like facility. Like this is like generational wealth for this like Ecuadorian team. (laughs) Exactly.
0: Exactly, yeah. They stumbled upon Moises Caicedo and a you know, American billionaire that was willing to spend $150 million on him. So how about that? You won the lottery. 18 mil.
1: Yeah. Dude, the agent who put in the twenty percent uh sell on clause for Caicedo is the most beloved man <laughs> in Ecuador. <laughs> or at least to that. Absolutely. Yeah. And Brighton genius. were probably
0: mm-hmm. happily happy to agree to it. Yeah, you want Yeah. <laughs> you want the uh, what was it, ten percent? You want percent, tw- oh, you want twenty percent of eight mil when we sell? Yeah, sure, you can take it. Anyways, we have some feature games to cover, match week one being in the books, starting off with Brentford 2, Tottenham 2. Starting off in the 11th minute, new boy James Madison earns and takes a venomous in-swinging free kick from the corner of the 18 where Christian Romero finds himself free and just a hair onside to knot it in for 1-0. In the 23rd minute, Pontus Janssen is played in towards the end line, tries to Cruyff turn it back, but Hyung min Son's sweeping challenge takes out Janssen's legs, he goes down, and Mbomo slots home the penalty after a decently lengthy VAR review. Ethan, is it a penalty?
1: It's a very tough one. I think, I think it is a penalty. I think there is enough. The, the more I'm thinking back to it now, because... The contact is enough for a penalty, but if you look at the way he goes down, it's just a uh, delayed. The, the fall is just a little bit delayed. Yeah. Like, he definitely could yeah. have stayed on his feet if he wanted to. I and mean, I think.
0: How many, t- that's the, how many times could players have. Like, yeah. these are human beings that and that's are the thing. And that's peak the thing. athletes in the world. Like, they can always stay on their feet, but it's part of the game.
1: And you don't want to necessarily punish players for trying to play on and stay on their feet and be more honest i mean it has happened it happens so often where a player tries to stay honest and stay on their feet and just doesn't benefit them so can't necessarily blame him um it's a very controversial one though personally if he called it on the field as a penalty i don't think they should overturn it he didn't i don't think with the var i mean with the we, we could have a whole nother podcast about VAR. And this is yeah. hardly the most controversial VAR decision of the weekend. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. Not even close. Not even close. Um, but, yeah, I don't think there was enough to overturn it for me. But with how VAR works, which is not a clear and obvious, even though they say yeah. they use clear and obvious, that's not how it is in practice. And the yep. way they actually use it, then, yeah, I'd say it's a pen.
2: I, I would agree with you. I think that's
1: a penalty. It's not clear,
0: but it's 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 a penalty in my in my book at least. Um uh, move move on to the 36th minute. Rico Henry has played uh Rico Henry played the ball streaking down the left-hand sideline, takes a beautiful first touch to Skin Emerson and just finds enough strength to cut the ball back for Visa to spank towards the goal eventually finding the back of the net after a serious deflection. Uh that would be 2-1. Quick 13-minute turnaround. You're thinking all of that good vibes coming from a Tottenham team that not many people were high on, quickly cut short by this dirty double, as Spencer FC would say. Um, moving on to the 45th plus four, fourth of 11, I believe it was, um, because of yeah. that VAR for the Pontus Janssen uh, play. Uh, Madison just, uh, <coughs> jostles for possession outside the 18, gets the ball poked away, but it angles straight for Emerson Royale, who finds himself 22 yards from goal and proceeds to take a lace of a shot into the bottom left corner for 2 2. Why he was there beats <laughs> me, Ethan, but thank God he was because that was quite the finish.
1: No, I'll always love it when Emerson Royale just randomly decides to turn into Prime Cafu, <laughs> which he, he's done often since they <laughs> so brought in Pedro it. Poro. He's been very good yeah. since they brought in Poro. Um, since the yeah, day they finish. brought him in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. How is GPS? Put him there, but he won't be complaining. <laughs> uh, Ange. Ange Masterclass.
0: Yeah. Um, but 2-2 is how that would finish. The points are split between Brentford and Tottenham. And to start off with this analysis,
2: I mean... I think that my prediction of 8th... With my prediction of 8th, I think...
0: I think Tottenham will get better throughout the season because Ange will just get to know his squad a little better. So with my prediction of 8th, I think in theory I would have Tottenham and Brentford
2: playing to a pretty hectic 2-2 or 2-2 or 3-3 in the first week of the season. So I would like to think that I expected this to happen. I don't know about you.
1: Yeah, no. I think this is probably going into this, I don't think anybody would be surprised that Tottenham aren't coming away with all three points. Some people probably favor Brentford here playing at home. Brentford very good record against London clubs. Um I don't think they lost to Tottenham last year, draw and uh win for them. Uh so yeah. Um not really a surprising result. Um I think the main takeaway from this is that well, last season's Spurs were under Conte and uh what, like Stellini, whoever took them over, uh, after Conte mm-hmm. was just kind of just an unsystematic chaos. Pastacogus is more of a systematic chaos. Um Yeah. I think everyone said before the season that, you know Well, Postacologu himself says he just enjoys scoring goals. Like a Above all else, not necessarily above results, but like he just wants the fans to you know see the ball hit the back of the net, so I think you could expect a lot of games like this where, um at least in the first half, the way it played out where it's just very end to end um just very open game, which it certainly was um mm-hmm. so yeah, Spurs are gonna be fun to watch this season, whether they'll be good or not, they certainly will yeah. be fun,
0: I mean, James Madison was. Definitely man of the match in that game. He was the driving force of everything Tottenham did offensively. He basically had an assist on both goals. I I don't know if he actually did have an assist on the second goal. He might he have. Did. It was it looked he like he might have. Yeah, it looked like he and the defender kind of like got to the ball at the same time. But yeah, he had assist on both goals. He was great. He did what it. he does best. Yeah, he did what he does best on set pieces with that v- incredibly venomous uh, ball into Romero, yeah. which will not be the first assist he'll get from those this no. season I can guarantee you that so James Madison is turning out at least so far to be everything that Tottenham hoped he would be taking that kind of creator role from uh, the exited Harry Kane
1: yeah I mean obviously I taught Tottenham finishing fifth this year on the basis that Harry Kane yeah. was staying now that he's not, I'm not feeling quite as confident in that, but one of the main reasons why I was still confident in this Tottenham side was because of James Madison. And like I said in the preseason predictions, I think people just forgot how good he is. Like that uh, set-piece assist to Romero, that's an undefendable set-piece. All Romero has to yeah. do is get anything on it. The ball with so much pace, keeper can't come out, but he's put it right on the six. You know, it's point-blank yeah. range. It's undefendable, and that's... Just the kind of deliveries that he can bring to a team. I also think another forgotten man was Yves Basuma, who had injury problems, never really able he to get into so. the team under contact. He had a very good game. Um, very good ball-winning, pressing, you know, distribution, just all around the player who, you know, we saw at Brighton and player we had high hopes for coming to Tottenham. Uh, he, he showed out. Um, I think Oliver Skip was a bit out of his depth. I think, um, yeah, I think Lacelso may be better in uh, that composition, kind of but or maybe even Hoybier, who I was a little surprised to see on the bench. But I think Basuma could definitely be a regular uh, figure for the team.
0: Yeah, I mean, we certainly know what Basuma could do, and he was not that player last season. So, if Ange can get the the Brighton Basuma out of Basuma, that would be
2: absolutely a step in the right direction. And a huge one, too, because they need help in the midfield desperately. Newcastle, five. Aston Villa, one. A game that a lot of people thought would be
0: pretty... even, for the most part. One team may be better than the other, but these are, you know, two of the teams that sit probably just outside the Big Six.
2: Um, mm-hmm. if not in it, when you consider Newcastle. So, it did not turn that, out that way, however. Six-minute. Sandro Tunali, no. Tun, tun <laughs> Tunali,
0: gets off the mark very early in his Newcastle career after attacking <laughs> an Anthony Gordon cross with noteworthy conviction. Almost making it two just a few minutes later, if not for a very good Emmy Martinez save. In the 11th minute, Digne's cross is flicked over the penalty spot by Ollie Watkins to another unmarked debutant, Musa Diaby, who rifles it past Pope with a venomous strike to make it 1-1. In the 16th minute, Tonali dinks in a long ball to the far left side of the box where Botman stretches to square the ball back for Izak for a simple finish past Martinez to make it 2-1. Then we jump to the second half, 57th minute. Kansa misplays Anthony Gordon... A misplays an Anthony Gordon through ball and is stripped off the ball by Izak, And he calmly holds off Kanta. Chips Martinez for his brace. Izak was a man in form through his time in this game. Um, in the seventy seventh minute, debutant yeah. for Newcastle at least. Uh, Harvey Barnes is played in behind by Tunali. Huge game for Tunali. Uh, what a way to get the fans go. I mean, if you're a Newcastle fan, you're probably behind Tenali anyway. But this is one way to get a, to get the fans excited about you. Uh, finds it on Mark Wilson in the box, yeah. who smashes it past a helpless Martinez. I mean, Wilson was always going to score in this game, wasn't he?
2: So especially once he got the three-one, and then in the 93. 90- <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. After I mean, three goals, Wilson and Isak they both had always fifteen find a way goals way last score. season, and like, like they rarely started together. there's at least three goals in a Newcastle game, um, and, and then the ninety-first the minute,
0: Barnes yeah. has acres of space to run in behind the Villa yeah. defense, which is just absolutely deflated at this point in the game. Um, and he slides a path past Martinez, who really didn't have much to do today. I mean, he had a couple saves to make, but honestly, a lot of it was not his fault, and he was just getting pounded. Um. And he slides it past Martínez for a fifth. Mm -hmm.
2: It would finish 5-1, and Newcastle hype keeps rolling. Yeah, absolutely. And
1: with Barnes and Tenali, there's no reason why it shouldn't be. Especially Tenali. Barnes definitely had uh, a very good debut. Obviously got a goal and an assist, but That really more came from uh, Villa's just exhaustion in that second half. Uh, It was clear that, I mean, Villa, the combination of the fact that Villa just looked more tired than Newcastle in that second half, where they were just, you know, deflated from just being down in the game. Mm -hmm. Newcastle, obviously a lot more energetic, the crowd behind them, just feeling it either way. Aston Villa were playing a high line and had almost no pressure yeah. on the midfield, which just giving time and space for Barnes to run in behind and for players like Tenali and Jalinton to just send them through. I mean, it was an exhibition in the latter parts of the second half, the number of times Barnes got in behind. So I think that's the main reason why he had success. But Tenali from first to last minute was just, he was world class. I mean, yeah. His goal in the to six minute, yeah. what a way to introduce yourself, uh, an amazing late run into the box, great finish. L- yeah. I mean, like I said before, you know, people don't realize how good of an offensive weapon he is as well. You know, he does like making those late runs. He will, you know, dribble into the final third, get into the box. Um, But also, I mean, his passing, I mean, he had the hockey assists on the fourth goal and the uh, second goal, the one to Isak. I mean, the ball where he... Dinked, uh back post to Botman, you squared it. Uh, he was just everywhere. Uh, so just what a debut from... Yeah, we, had we had a lot Probably of debut. Arguably the best weekend. performance of uh, the weekend. DeSase got a goal. Um, obviously Diaby
0: got a goal on the other end. So uh, yeah, a lot mm. of debuts. I mean, in this day and age, almost everybody's debut didn't come week one. <laughs> but um, yeah, Newcastle, a lot of teams maybe thought that they would fall off yeah. after last season. Last season was a kind of a one-season thing, you know, Champions League games haven't hit yet in terms of match fatigue, but certainly sil- silencing those critics early on, and finally, the, f- the marquee matchup of the weekend, Chelsea 1, Liverpool 1, we start off in the 18th minute, Debutant McAllister finds Salah out wide, who drives the ball at Debutant Colwell, maybe Debutant, he got
2: loaned out before he played for Chelsea, right? Who knows? I don't think he played for jealousy, so I'm gonna roll with it. Debbie didn't call. Not sure, honestly. (laughs) Uh,
0: Cuts in on his left and slides an absolutely perfectly weighted ball into a Luis Diaz run that just gets in behind Silva, only needing a goalward redirection of any kind to take the early lead at Stamford Bridge. Then, the 37th minute, a fortuitous parlay of headers off an Enzo outswinger. Finds debutant Axel DeSasi, who swings a mighty leg at it, only managing to make a little contact, but the ball bundles home nonetheless for 1-1. Later on in the game, a pair of goals for each side. I believe it was Salah and Chilwell uh, called back, each for very, very tight offsides. Less than a foot, if if that, um, for each one, but in the end, the game ends mm. level I think it's fair to say that Chelsea had the better play after the um after Liverpool goal. First 20 minutes were all Liverpool and nothing but Liverpool. It was an onslaught. It was pretty much everything that I thought Liverpool would be coming into the season with Salah, with their yeah. revamped offensive midfield, with Trent's new role. Um I I did expect Nuñez to start actually. I was a little surprised when Jota got the nod at at the 9, but um nonetheless they were pretty ruthless Mm. in the first 20 minutes of the game. But for the last 70, it was a combination of of Chelsea kind of finding their possession, finding their rhythm a little bit, and Liverpool being just actually dreadful on the ball
2: in the midfield. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was an odd
1: game where (laughs) they were just certain points where you're like wow like liverpool's going to win this I was I mean I'm there are other points where you're like wow I'm a, like am going to win now because this I just sport. moved in and I was watching this like, game it like was a very our father um and after Salah scored the first one I'm like
0: uh, this is going to end 5-0 nothing like this is going to get ugly and like on when I said that it turned into like <laughs> yeah <laughs> a chelsea game pretty much and they they got the equalizer at 37 and then somehow didn't manage it, uh, a winner because they absolutely yeah. <laughs> Had the opportunities too. Jackson had a couple. Sterling had one.
2: Um, but yeah, you were saying? But yeah, no.
1: Like you said, it was just such... The momentum shifted so often in this game. Uh, and both teams looked really, really good at times. I think, honestly, after this draw, there definitely definitely pos- a lot of pauses to take away from both teams. Again, probably more from the Chelsea side of things. Yeah. Um uh, I think Enzo Fernandez definitely the standout player uh for Chelsea. They're gonna be very excited to see him paired up with uh Kaise though. Um, I thought especially he better when okay, Gallagher actually.
0: he was he was didn't his really put himself self, in the game
1: too say. much. Um he he was alright but mm-hmm. But not quite the uh Obviously energetic, high pressing, oh, yeah. but not He's quite not the uh Kaiseido, certainly. the same creativity that maybe uh Kaiseido will deliver for them. Um, but yeah, uh, I think in the midfield, definitely the really bold decision to go with Shalva yeah, and and Gakpo, ambitious just to say the least. Full heavy metal there. Um, <laughs> I was, I was. I was just trying to find the midfielder with any sort of like defensive minded, uh, you know, play. But I mean, obviously, I think we all knew that it was going to be Shavasla and McAllister. And, you know, we were just thinking, okay, maybe, maybe slide, uh, you know, Alexander Arnold into midfield, something like that. Uh, which, you know, he was very at times. But, uh, but yeah, I uh, clearly they were lacking the, uh, the defensive yeah, I mean, midfield. I, work, uh, at Sanford Bridge. I
0: think that Enzo performance, a lot of people were saying that, like, he's clicking more with, uh, um, Pochettino because of the same nationality, um, which is interesting. And I never really thought about that. Um, but yeah, obviously, Enzo, this was, I was never really, Enzo had some good performances, but I think, it was kind of a little confirmation bias from Chelsea fans being like, I'd paid 100 mil, but like, you know, didn't give the ball away, swung some passes out, like, good performance, when in reality it was like, you know, just things that he does normally. This performance was standout for me. I think he was doing everything he was capable of and more. Every pass was perfect, even to the point where, like, the balls out wide weren't behind the wingers. They were in front of them so they could take it in stride and drive at the back, at the back line. He was doing it all. Um, and he get earning his, his valuation. Certainly uh, on that, in that game, I was the most impressive I've ever Ruben with Enzo. Um, I was not as impressed with the finishing. I know Nicholas Jackson. Here's what I'll say about Nicholas Jackson. He was very energetic and I love his movement. I think. He never stops moving. He's a nightmare for center backs. He was, ever, besides the finishing aspect, perfect on, on Sunday. However, he had multiple chances to put that game away and did not. He was very poor in that department. So, obviously, that was pretty much Darwin Nunez last season. And a lot of people think Darwin Nunez is going to come back and make a big impact and finishing is not something that people pick up very easily only Salah and Holland have really come into this league in their first year and start scoring goals with you know crazy efficiency so I would be optimistic because those runs and stuff like that that's shit that you really can't teach um that's shit that Kai Havertz just never figured out for Chelsea and it's probably a breath of fresh air for Chelsea fans to see uh, a forward really making those runs and getting to those positions, so yeah, I would say definitely Nicholas Jackson definitely looks good if he hits his. if He finds his finds his finishing touch. This could be a very dangerous Chelsea team. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, addition of Elise, addition of Casado, addition of I guess Lavia too as a as a rotational midfielder, going to only bolster this squad. So, yeah, I mean, I said seventh for Chelsea. That was not a performance of a team that's coming in seventh. However, I thought Liverpool, let's switch to Liverpool for a second. I thought Liverpool were absolutely yeah. mm-hmm. dreadful in the first, in the last 70 minutes of this game. First 20, everything I'd hoped they would be. Last 70, it was giveaway after giveaway after giveaway after giveaway. They really didn't make it difficult for Chelsea to look good because. They would just throw numbers forward with their incredibly attacking midfield with Gakpo mm. and out, McAllister and Slavislai and Trent in a CDM role. So they're really rolling three center backs. And then when they work the ball through the midfield and then just give it away to Gallagher or give it away to mm. Enzo, it was just an onslaught in on the other end. There were so many even and odd man rushes on the other end that I'm not entirely sure how Chelsea didn't use at least one of them to find a winner. But... They didn't, and they escaped. Absolutely escaped to the point in that game. Chelsea absolutely should have gotten three. I think it's a combination of Chelsea playing better and Liverpool playing like dog shit, but honestly, I think it's more that Liverpool just played so poorly and made so many critical errors in the midfield that they really didn't deserve a point, and they stole one. Um, I know Klopp is going to be upset about that, but he, like, I defended Klopp like crazy, but like that midfield, when you see that midfield On paper, an hour before the game, and you say, this is great, but they kind of need to score three goals because they're going to concede a ton of chances. And then they didn't score three goals and they conceded a ton of chances. You're like, what the fuck was that? You know? And, like, if we go out there, if they go out there next weekend and they play the same roster, it's kind of like, what is he doing? Is he on his way out, actually? So Has he lost his tactical touch? Because that was dreadful, tactically. And, like... (sighs) Chilwell was man of the match in that game. I think he was one of the worst players on the field.
2: (laughs) And I'll explain why. Liverpool were treating Chilwell like uh, one of your friend's friends when you're
0: playing pickup soccer that's (laughs) like not that good at soccer. (laughs) And like, he's like, it's like 8v8, but it's really 7v8 because that guy is just so bad. And whenever he passed the ball to him, he just like doesn't really know how to play soccer and he kind of gives it away and nobody really covers him because there's nothing he can physically do on the ball. Mm. That's what, how Liverpool were treating <laughs> Chilwell. They were treating him like the kid that's three levels below everybody else on the field. They never covered him. Every press break went through Chilwell and Rhys James. They never covered the wingbacks. Their 3-4-3 matched up very well against Klopp's 4-3-3 with no defensive midfielders. And Trent in the midfield most of the time because they gave the ball away, that every single press break from Chelsea would go through the winger. It would be like they pass it around the center backs, get a little tight, then one lob ball into a wide open wing back. Reese James, some of the time, but mostly Chilwell, and that was it. Done. Broke the offensive press, broke most of the midfield press, and he was off. There's a reason why that one that run through the midfield that Chilwell scored was not what i'm talking about here that was actually something separate that was a very good run i'm talking about everything he had on the left he had like three shots on goal get multiple golden opportunities to score and take the lead in that game and he did not take it he did not play that great he was just given so much time and space yeah. for the for in the first half he w- he was given in the first half this happened and then they went into halftime and they went out with the same exact tactics and it came out in the second half and they still treated Chilwell like the kid that sucks And I don't know why. And the whole game, I'm like showing the... My dad was driving at the time. But I was like, what the fuck is going on? They're not covering Ben Jilwell. They're just treating him like he's never going to actually do anything. And guess what? He kind of didn't. He kind of like just didn't score. So I guess it kind of worked. But like... Ben Jilwell is still a professional footballer who can very much score a goal and very much should have. So... I don't know what the fuck was going on with Liverpool's tactics, but that was a disaster class. Both tactically and technically, disaster class. I'm not sure how they got out with the point. Hopefully they learn from this, because they do have a very good manager, but that was very, very ugly from a Liverpool perspective. I'm not sure if you saw the same thing.
1: Um. Yeah, I agree with you to a certain extent. I think definitely concerning, but I think once they have an actual defensive midfielder in there with Endo it's got to just bring out a little bit more balance and hopefully Klopp can sure. I mean they could have isn't don't they have uh what what's the Serbian the Itch oh Bashtejch he's actually Spanish Bashtejch um, he wasn't even Spanish. in the squad okay, by the of way of course he is um really so they just
0: didn't they just don't have a CDM
1: Yeah like ba- Basitic, like the only reason we know him is because they're injury problems were like so bad last year like no doubt he's promising yeah. but he's like he's not a first team player yeah he, he just really isn't like they genuinely did not have a real defensive hmm. player defensive midfielder for this game so if if klopp's plan
0: was to just say fuck it and like what the hell am i gonna do i just have to play this midfield i hope we outscore <laughs> them then fair play and, like, we'll sign a midfielder by next week and have him out on the field in match week two, then, like, fair play. But, like, if this was on purpose, that's very concerning. That's what I'm going to say. And to close out the podcast, well, second-to-last segment of the podcast, we'll do some around the grounds. Finish up with the other seven matches that were played during match week one, starting off with the opener. Man City, we'll start off with the home team. Burnley nil, Man City 3 uh, Erling Haaland scored two goals. What's new? He did that last year too. So, not surprised. Um, him and Izak, I believe, are tied on two for the Golden Boot so far. Um, so, you're not special, Erling. Um, but Burnley managed to pick up a red card in that game. Very late. So, 3-0 City. City stood off on the front foot. Burnley, currently in the relegation zone. Arsenal 2, Nottingham Forest 1, very quick start from Arsenal, uh, going up 2-0, about a 30-second minute, Eddie Nketiah in the 26th, Bukayo Saka with a screamer in the 30-second, nothing former gunner Matt Turner could do about that one, Uh, took their foot off the gas a bit, allowed Taiwo Iwone, didn't start, but he did come in, and from Alanga, who had a very, very nice run down the side. If there's one thing, Alonga has its pace, and he showed a lot of it when he came in on Saturday. Uh, Found a one knee for 2-1. Squeaky bum time at the end, but in the end, three points to Arsenal. Arsenal do love a squeaky bum time. (laughs) They do love a squeaky bum, and I'm sure it'll be (laughs) far from their last this season. No, it's in their DNA. (laughs) (laughs) Sheffield United nil. Crystal Palace won. Crystal Palace uh, started off on the right foot, grabbing three points from newly promoted Sheffield United. Roy Hodgson almost got into a fight with a Sheffield United player. And I guess that's all we can really say about this. It was utzon Edward on the winner. A um, player that I've hailed as a very good player for a long time. Unfortunately, hasn't panned out the way I thought he was going to. But Glad he got the winner on Saturday. Bournemouth won. West Ham won. Jared Bowen in the 51st. Dominic Solanke in the 82nd has the points shared. These are two teams that are likely going to finish very close on the table this season, and they played to a pretty sturdy 1 1 draw. Brighton 4, Luton Town 1, Luton Town's first game in the Premier League, spoiled by a very, very good Brighton side. A Brighton team that doesn't look to have missed a step since losing their ta- main man in the midfield, Moises Caicedo um and Alexis McAllister for that matter uh 27 shots on the day against Luton Town uh it tailed off a little bit towards the end I think Luton Town put up a little bit more of a fight than the scoreline may have showed for a long time but Brighton in the end were dominant and took the most of their chances at home
1: all I'm gonna say is Simon Adingra remember the name (laughs) scored the third goal yeah he was really good in preseason. Had a great year out on loan. He's he's their next. He's their next big thing. Like he's their next, you know, seventy mil to Chelsea. So <laughs> keep an eye out for him this year. Just get him now. <laughs>
0: Chelsea just buy him now. Every time a, Ch- a Brighton player has one good performance, <laughs> sign the contract. You can save probably forty mil that
1: way. Yeah. Listen, if most of them don't work out, but like one does, and he's only forty mil, like. <laughs> Yeah. Think smarter. I mean, yeah. yeah the numbers check out.
0: <laughs> Everton nil, Fulham 1. Not the start Everton wanted for their newest survival campaign. Nine shots on target for the Toffees to Fulham's 2. Um, so certainly had the... Uh, I believe they had like 3XG too. So they really dominated this game, could not find the back of the net, and eventually Bobby de cordova read in the 73rd minute made it 1-0, and that's the way it would finish. Um, Fulham finding ways to win matches exactly the way they did last year. Um, Everton finding ways to lose matches the (laughs) same way they did last year. So really nothing new from those two. And then finally, the Monday game. Certainly no shortage of controversy here. Manchester United won Wolves nil. It was Rafa Varan on the winner in the 76th. But the real story of this game was Andre Onana's flying UFC kick. I shouldn't say UFC, more WWE. Yeah. Um. Just, just full comp- body, it's like, like when, choke yeah. slam. <laughs> Rey Mysterio 619 from the top rope. Is that um, Onana's
1: music? <laughs> Is that Onana's music? <laughs>
0: Um, yeah, he came in pretty spicy in the 95th minute of this game. (laughs) Um, no penalty call on the field, lengthy VAR review. In the end, it was not enough to award a penalty. Ethan, pen or no pen? Really? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, There are people
0: that are paid hundreds of thousands of dollars Mm. to hold a whistle and make these decisions that they didn't (laughs) think it was a pen.
1: So yes, really. Um. The question isn't, was it a pen? The question is, was it the worst refereeing decision I've ever seen? <laughs> and it's the worst one I can remember. I'm sure I've seen a worse one, but I just can't quite think of it. So. Certainly in the VAR era. Because in the VAR era, if yeah, there's one it might be the worst. Th- yeah, go one. ahead. Yeah. If it, it, there's it, one thing that yeah.
0: VAR has cut out, it's the clear and obvious. Uh uh-huh. Not the very clear and very obvious. We're talking like the offsides and stuff like that. Mm. That. I'm remembering a certain Aspilic-Wether goal that where he was very offsides, um, yeah. and they kept it.
2: So like, since that, since the egregious ones have been outlawed, I would say this is the worst one for me.
1: I I just, I just really want to know what the referee in the VAR room was was thinking. Like, what what is his justification okay. like? I just don't think that... Like, what, what would have been enough <laughs> for that to be a pen?
0: I would say Cleats. I would say he probably needs to, after getting him down on the ground, he does uh, People's Elbow. He throws in an entire WWE mixed bag of tricks. A little People's Elbow, John Cena face, <laughs> face wag, and then pins him, and then uh, John Moss comes. Was it John Moss? John Moss is very gone. He's well retired. Very. Thankfully. Never mind. I don't know why I heard. I don't know. I saw the notification that they were uh, dismissed from the match week two games, and I
1: thought I saw it was John Moss. Not even
2: anyway, John Moss. Was whoever fun. it that was, that bad. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Bring back. John Whoever it was, Moss. they
0: need to slide in. Need to slide into the ring and then one, two, three on the ground, tap him out. I would say that just about. Would be a penalty.
2: Or you could just but change that, the badge. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Either way, a lot of fans are up in arms about this one. Regardless, maybe night take all three points at home. Didn't look good. A lot of people were making fun of the Casemiro Mount Fernandez midfield in very hilarious ways. And I appreciated that personally um, from a hilarity standpoint. <laughs> but that just about wraps it up for match week one. Let's get into some Match Week 2 predictions.
2: Starting off with Tottenham hosting Manchester United. What do you got? Tottenham hosting
1: Manchester United. Um, On paper, I think most people would be pretty confident in this United team to get a win over Tottenham. But then this game against Wolves happened. And probably yeah. has some people feeling a little bit queasy. Um, I think it's, for me, it's too early in the season to really feel like one team has a big advantage here. Um, home opener for Spurs under Postacoglu. Atmosphere should be very, very good there. And they did look promising in that uh, draw away at Brentford um united definitely have a lot of work to do um but i also don't think people should read too much into this wolves game just because for some reason this is how every united wolves game plays out (laughs) i don't know why but it just it just does it's always a one nil when maybe most are this is definitely the least convincing of the bunch but nonetheless they do happen um I'm probably going to go for another 2-2 draw here. Um, eh, I'm mm. going to go 1-1. they are a bit tighter at the back, um, but definitely at least a goal apiece uh, for both sides. Uh, should be a pretty good game, though.
0: Yeah,
2: I don't know. I don't know about this one. Um, Certainly, Spurs are not keeping a clean sheet. But...
0: If you ask me about the Wolves game, I would probably say well, there's no way wolves are keeping a clean sheet. And they damn near did. So I honestly like 1 1 2. I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback. I'm gonna say 1 1 as well. I'm gonna be no fun this week. 1 1. <laughs> Manchester City hosts Newcastle. What do you got?
1: Yeah, this this should be an exciting one, definitely. More more so than the Tottenham United game, in my opinion, just because Newcastle have been scoring goals for fun as of late, and City mm. have been scoring goals for fun as of, you know, 2008. So the history.: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically, for both clubs, since the oil money came in, goals have not been an issue. Uh, and yeah, this Newcastle team could not have looked more impressive in that, uh, in that opener. Mm. Uh, but city or city, they're playing at home. Um, they are coming back from Greece from uh, a UEFA Super Cup win on penalties. Uh, you know, with Cole Palmer, Mares, reincarnation, uh, another uh goal in a <laughs> final for him, more than Holland can say. So, Cole Palmer yeah. start over <laughs> all early Holland question mark? Yeah, we'll say. Pep's I mean, certainly done crazier,
0: we, crazier we, lineup decisions.
1: We have to start. We have to start the dialogue here. Uh, (laughs) as to who's (laughs) the better player. Anyway, who's the more clutch player, at least? Uh, Anyway, I'm getting off topic here. I think early in the season, I think Newcastle can shake things up here. I'm going to go with a 2-2 draw. I think they'll get a point at the Etienne. Yeah, I mean... I really, really
0: liked what I saw from Newcastle. Like, I... Defensively in the midfield up top, I really liked what I saw from Newcastle, and I think I think that's um you know that's not a piece of crazy analysis. They certainly looked very very good
2: uh, on Saturday, but they could very easily go and win this game. City were not
0: great against Burnley. They were I'm not gonna say bailed out, but Erling Haaland snatched up two very okay chances, and just put him in the back of the net because that's what he does. Uh, City had a lot of chances, had a lot of ball possession, but I don't think they were playing at the top of their game. And I think that they were, I'm going to say air quotes, bailed out by two very Erling Haaland-like goals. Newcastle, on the
2: other hand, is playing at the top of their form. Does that make them even? Who's to say? I'm going to say one nothing, Manchester City.
0: My dialogue before this did not really lend to that <laughs> prediction, but for some reason I'm just going to go for one nothing Manchester City because that's what they do. They win games, and it's a tough place to play the Etihad these days. Any day. And with that, we'll move on to a nice and quick closing segment a classic one overreactions not overreactions one of sports fans favorite things to do is overreact after the first game of season so that's exactly what we're gonna do right now let's roll right into it shall we newcastle are title contenders overreaction not an overreaction
1: uh yeah it's, it's gotta be an overreaction um as good as they looked the first week. They're just not ready to be in a title conversation with the likes of City and Arsenal. I think, honestly, in my own in my own overreactions, not overreactions, I had Newcastle, whether or not they'll finish top four. Because, honestly, I don't see many people even having them to finish top four. A lot of people have them 5-6 on the outskirts, but not a lot yeah. of people think they're going to get back in there most people are saying Liverpool or some the occasional Chelsea will take their spot um but I definitely think uh some top four doubters such as myself I mean I had them finishing eighth um
2: are definitely thinking that this is a team that will compete for the top four again so yeah I'm gonna say
0: overreaction just because of how many teams are up there and challenging Like, are we really going to have a five-team title race between Arsenal, City, United, Newcastle, and, like, we'll say four teams, because I I think that's the only four. But, like, are we really going to have a four-team title race? Probably not. It's Probably going to, the top three are probably going to separate. Probably top two are going to separate at some point. So, yeah, I'm going to say overreaction, not because of Newcastle, per se, but more because of how many good teams there are
2: and just how good they are. Chelsea are more likely to finish top four than Manchester United. Overreaction, not overreaction. This is because I thought Chelsea played very good and I didn't think Man United played very good, so I wrote this one. I'm gonna say nine overreaction.
1: I say it wouldn't be unreasonable to think that. Even though obviously United had a great season last year. They're building off of a great season under a manager who's now proven himself. For United, um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a complete overreaction to say that they're more likely to finish top four than United, especially given the performances this weekend, um, and the you know confirmed Caicedo signings now, Elise, Lavia They're now it now seems like they really have a team together. Players who are not only have the talent and the quality, but fit together in a system would do really well under Pochettino. So, yeah, I'm going to say it's not a complete overreaction, this
2: one. Don't agree with it, though. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say it's an overreaction. Uh, I think, although I think
0: Chelsea played very well, I think Liverpool were the orchestrators of their own downfall a little bit. And I think that this Chelsea puzzle has, is still far from being solved. And United are just a straight-up better team. Um, what does concern me about United are, is the fact that they are playing Rashford at striker. Uh, I like that Garnacho played, but playing Rashford at striker is not his number one position. Not only does it not m- give you a great number nine, but it also takes Rashford out of his elements, which is left wing. So I think it's a double negative there and it's just very not good and just lends to the fact that they need their number nine and they need Hoyland. They need him badly, and they need him to perform. I think it's going to fix a lot of stuff over at Manchester United. Um, the midfield didn't play great, but I think it all
1: stems from that number nine spot. That being said, they'll think they're better than Chelsea. Well, I think the biggest problem for United, especially in that Wolves game, was the fact that they started Garnacho and took him off before the 68th minute. Have they not, do they not know that Garnacho's powers only, <laughs> only come to the forefront after the 80th minute? Uh. They Ten Hag has not been watching a lot of United last season, clearly.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Chelsea are more likely to finish top four than Liverpool. I said this because Chelsea looked good and Liverpool did not.
1: Again, I don't agree with it, but I think if you can say it for United, you can say it for Liverpool as well. I mean, United finished top Mm -hmm. four last year, Liverpool didn't. So by that logic, I think I'd have to say... It's not an overreaction. Yeah. But again, yeah, I wouldn't with, say. So yeah.
0: I'm gonna go with my same logic as I did for United, is that Liverpool just are a better team and Liverpool were the orchestrators of their own downfall a little bit. I think Klopp's tactics will recover. I think the addition of a six will help. Um I think once they start starting Darwin Nunez at the nine, he will start to blossom. So I'm gonna stick with Liverpool on this one. And finally
2: Isak and Holland are the favorites for the Golden Boots. Boot. We'll remove Holland because Holland is a favorite for the Golden Boot. Isak will challenge Holland for the Golden Boot. I'm rewording it. Eh, it's an overreaction. Challenge being within within five goals. No, no, he won't be within five goals.
1: Um, Isak is very Isak is very good, and obviously he had. Two very good goals this weekend. And he will score lots and lots of goals for this team. Um, but Holland just does. He's just a goal scorer. It's, mm-hmm. it's pretty much all he does. Isak offers a lot more all-round to, to Newcastle than Holland does. Isak drops deeper. Um, you know, he drifts out wide more than Holland does. Uh, he's much more well rounded. He's definitely gonna out assist Holland by a lot this year. Um, so I mean just based off of their play styles, you know, you can't really put him. I don't think Isak's game within five just based on their play styles. But also, let's not disrespect Holland here. Like Isak's quality, but Holland is the best striker in the world right now, and Isak ain't touching him. Even if Isak was a pure, pure number nine like Holland. I'm gonna
0: propose a counter argument here. I think Holland is due for regression, and by regression I mean like thirty, thirty one goals, which is still an outrageous season. And it still puts him that season still puts you top ten uh goal scoring seasons, I'm pretty sure, like all time in the Premier League. So like Yeah. It's like top five yeah, still. <laughs> that's still still an outrageously good scoring season. So it, He's due for if he does if he's due for a regression to let's say thirty goals, I don't think it's completely outrageous that Zach scores twenty five goals this year. He's a good player in a team that just got better in the midfield. They're going to be generating more chances. A lot of people say Newcastle are going to regress because of the Champions League football. I disagreed. I think that if Harry Kane can score thirty goals for a team that's going to produce three times as many chances as Tottenham did last year. Alexander Isaac, assuming he stays healthy, assuming he gets at least 70, 75 minutes a game, if not 90 at striker, or maybe moves out left if they want to put in Callum Wilson, who's been a very common substitute.
2: I don't think it's outrageous he gets 25 goals this year. I, I believe in this dude. I really do. And it's not Holland hate. That's just Isaac
1: love. No, I love Isaac. Trust me. I'm. Yeah big Isaac fan but it's not touching Allen. and with that
0: we will round out the podcast for this week one match week down 37 to go if you haven't started overreacting about your team get on it let's go come on what are you waiting for uh, it, it, the first week's already gone why are you not overreacting why are you not
1: why doomsday? aren't you reading into the table
0: <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> You're, you're sitting in the relegation zone. You will get relegated. That's Chelsea, how that Chelsea, you're mid-table again. Um, You've made no progress. <laughs> it's okay. Liverpool's right there with you. Yep. Um, yeah, some really nice, really tasty fixtures coming up this week. Um, going to have my eyes glued on that city. Newcastle won. That's going to be an absolute banger. Uh, actually, it's not. I predicted one nothing, but it should be a good game. Um, nonetheless. But <laughs> with that, we'll say goodbye. See you next week. Adios. See ya.